Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This is the Young Ragnar. And I'm kicking it to you live. Maybe not live for you guys, but it's live right now for me. With the Beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign, with the Queen Adventure series, with the quest, The Way of the Queen, and the last episode of the podcast. Our gang had ended up in the wonderful town of Gaborah, where they were dealing with a stark realization that perhaps Gaborah is not exactly in the best hands right now. It seems as if... Uh, some things have gone awry, and a certain man named Calgear appears to have seized some degree of control. Um, the wizard Ordeglare that they had met with before told them that they needed needed to meet a certain man named Pyther, who could help them with some alchemical alchemical components. I can speak uh, needed for a certain spell to, I guess, shrink ray a certain hydra. Yeah, there's a lot of things in this little fetch quest here, but needless to say, the party showed up, found out that Pyther was in a pretty troublesome predicament. They stopped him from being hanged at the last minute and seemed to have made some enemies with the Shandlebrick, which appeared to be some sort of a mercenary or armed order that has officially taken over control of the town. Recognizing that the alchemical component the party's going to need happens to be found on the eye patch that a certain Calgear is wearing, the party is stuck with a very rather interesting predicament as Jarzak walks up to the group with a clinking pile of weapons and some blood on his boot. So I guess we'll just kick it there. Hey guys, I, I got your weapons here. They let you in. Yeah, just strolled right in. I pick up my. What do I have for a moment? <laughs> it's a mace! How do you forget every time? <laughs> I pick then, up my mace. And you pick it up from the wrong side, as always. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you guys are standing here in. Room. Oh, you guys are standing here in the courtyard yeah, wait, of the wait. town. Yeah, how about I drag this bag off to like an alley or something before we go get all weaponed up? Sure. Judging, in front of a bunch of guards. <laughs> judging by where you guys are standing, you can tell that standing where you guys are in this village square of sorts, uh, to the west is some farmland and some houses. To the east is something of like a trade 
sort of bizarre kind of thing there. Uh, directly north of you is something of like a council chamber slash the barracks slash what would be considered like the jail. And it's sort of like this kind of like community sort of center with a small series of like stone walls surrounding it. And that's where Pyther was dragged off. That's where Calgear went and a whole bunch of the leather wearing cronies there. And far to the north, uh, down the road past everything else is what looks to be almost like a regal estate of sorts. It looks to almost be like two and a half, if not three stories tall with its own stone wall around it. So judging by where you guys are, you can see that there is an inn to the east of you guys uh, connected to the courtyard over here. Um, the bazaar and a few of those buildings to the east of you guys, it does appear to have alleyway-ish kind of space. But you guys are in the middle of like crowds of people. So right now, bringing that big clinking bag in here, it's not hard to see what you're carrying in. It just seems like the immediacy of everything that happened and all like the kind of novelty of that weird display that just occurred is enough to keep people distracted and moving on to their business to distract them away from you clinking about. So what would you guys like to do now? Noriel's going to try to uh, usher Jarzak and the whole rest of the party into like an alleyway or somewhere. Uh, okay. People are more likely to overlook us so that he can fill in Jarzak on the current situation. So we'll say the guy, that you guys move like 150 feet past the courtyard and end up behind the tavern, which is known as the Muddy Boots Inn. Um, and you guys can tell that there's some people moseying about the entrance here, but once you walk down the little side path, you can arc directly behind the building, and there's basically nothing going on around here in earshot. So you guys have all the ability to speak amongst yourselves freely without anybody noticing. So, did you want to actually fill him in, or did you want to say you filled him in? I'll, I'll just say that I'll, I filled him in. It's kind of like a lot, it's kind of, it kind of like starts to ramble after a little while because Norhill gets really down into like the details of like, you know, placement where everybody was standing and all that. Very good. Yeah. Uh, I, I may have had to uh, t take a couple of guards off duty, if you know what I'm saying. Which I'm sure confuses Anton after being told that you got entry. <laughs> no, I just, I, all I said was I strolled on in, which I did. Right, that's what I'm saying. Uh, Anton probably misread that comment quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I just, I didn't want to say that out in the courtyard around a bunch of other people that I had to. Especially not covered in blood carrying weapons. Yeah. That's just three strikes, man. You avoided a hanging, that's for sure. They were hungry for it. it yeah. They they were hungry for blood from what I saw out there. So luckily, oh, I can it, only luckily this is you. all theirs. So I'm good. I can only assume that they gave you no other choice. Of course. Yeah. Right. No other choices. <laughs> the the worm's boring out of his face was <laughs> merely a matter of an impasse. It it just it wouldn't have happened any other way. <laughs> but anywho. It's self-defense. Those were self-defense worms. Um, okay, so what's the party going to do now? Because you seem to be in quite the tight predicament and you've got a few uh, available options. So what's Kalika want to do? Um, Kalika's going to grab Flicker back and swap it out with the dagger she stole. That way no one will ever know. 
Uh, yeah, Cleek <laughs> did a bad thing. Cleek, <laughs> that, that's gonna be two hundred and fifty gold there, if you want your dagger. Oh, yeah, I mean, like he's, <laughs> he's also gonna give Jarzak back his gold pouch and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, Jarzak that. just chuggles and puts out his hand for his own gold pack. <laughs> okay. And so with that everybody's rearmed. I will say that if you're wearing anything above a light weapon, it's very clearly evident that you have it on your persons. So having like a versatile weapon, it's very clearly on your person. So I'm not sure if the mace counts as a light weapon. No, I don't think so. I didn't think it did. So it's on your hip. But okay. Um, unless anybody wanted to make any special claims about where they're going to be keeping their junk, but I was going to say, can Norhill try to sheath the pick uh, on his back underneath the shield? Um, I mean, Norhill, that's just a working tool, right? Like, you don't. Know. Presumably, there's a difference between you know a normal pick and one that's designed a war to be pick. A weapon. There yeah. very much so is, but either way. <laughs> Dwarves just do it differently, but yeah, we can we can say because you have a large shield that you'd be able to hunker it underneath it. But there you go. It's not perfect, but it'll hopefully keep us from being swarmed immediately. Yeah, if somebody's looking for it, they're very easily going to see it. But just walking by, nobody's going to just see like hanging bloody weapons like they would on Jarzak. But anywho, okay. Drip, so drip drop. So again, uh, before I have to do the screeching storyline voice, what are you guys doing? Do we want to get a room at the inn and drop off our stuff? That way we don't have to worry about carrying it around. Well, I'm worried that we might have to make um, a hasty retreat. We should probably stash it somewhere where it'll be easier to recover. Klika's struggling to hide her light crossbow under her shirt. Just shoots off a bolt. Like, yeah, <laughs> no, it, it is loaded too. Pointed just directly up at her face, and she's just trying to like stuff just, it in there. Just tilting her head back with yeah. a lot of hope and optimism. <laughs> but okay. So to break this man out of jail, these men don't seem like the might the type we can buy out. Not that I recommend it, but. We might not have to break him out of jail at all. Recall that I requested a stay of execution on the grounds of a queen's quest. They might just let him go to do whatever we need as long as they get him back afterwards. I say that we just head over and get it done right away. No sense in letting the man sit in a cell for much longer. I, I mean, maybe we could ask around to see if what he did was he actually did and was wrong and it's not just a corrupt system in this town oh, no. the guards do, do seem quite off it's just norhill's just like listen i respect the law of this land as much as i have to if they're in charge they make their own laws i'm lawful neutral i'm even worse than lawful good i believe in moral relativism <laughs> well it's what they think is good in here no no I agree something's clearly rotten in this town I just don't yeah, like our chances cause... of trying to go up against all of them yeah I mean and if he is bad then we'll take this eye patch of his and leave him to be hung later oh no the, the eye patch belongs to the leader of the guy or the guy trying to hang him Norhill you didn't leave a single detail out. 
dozed off during all the details. I was details. gonna say, meanwhile, Jarzak's been picking uh, his nose for half the story. He heard like yeah. three words in and he's just off in Booker land. Just, yeah, eye patch, bad guy in jail. Gotta get the eye patch. Got it. Something rotten, yada yada yada. That it won't come to that and Pyther already has a shootable sapphire. What did we need it with it with the sapphire? It was Silver. Some, some sort of alchemical Silver. silvering process with a high quality shot fire. Which it's almost assumed that as an alchemist, he'd probably have that silver. It's the gemstone that would probably be sort of like you have to buy the gemstone for the job. You don't just have like thousands of gold pieces worth of merchandise hanging out in your house. You know what I mean? Mm. So, but with that in mind, did the party want to go over to the barracks and the jail, or did they want to go to the inn and set up a, a room for the evening? I think maybe asking about what this guy actually did first before we go confront him, because you never know what who's going to lie and who's going to be telling the truth. Well, folks in the inn might know something. Yeah. We should, Next get, rest. we should get all the sides of the story and ask the guards what they think about him. And then ask the people what they think about them, and then ask the prisoner what he thinks about it. And then, if we only believe one third of each of them, we'll have the truth. Huh? Why a third? <laughs> well, there's three groups, so it's got to be even. No one could lie the whole way. That's impossible. So with hot algebra in the air, I guess the group, it sounds like are heading into the uh, into the tavern, as it were. Yeah. Okay. So the party head on into the tavern. Um, and like I said before, it's the Muddy Boots in. And as you guys come strolling in, you can see some rather... Wait, did you say the Bloody Boots? Because this is perfect. I already got them. No, unfortunately, I did not. Unless the bandits bleed, blood, bleed mud. <laughs> oh. Anyway, uh, but as you guys come in to the uh, tavern, it's a pretty fairly large-sized one. It almost seems like an old farmhouse that's been kind of converted. But it um, it's full of people who seem to be, again, kind of recovering from whatever happened out there about 20 minutes ago. But now that you guys are strolling in, it seems like you immediately caught all the glares, like a room full of fish hooks dangling from the ceiling. All of a sudden, everybody in the room comes looking right at you, and it's all eyes stuck on you guys. And you hear one voice at the back of the tavern behind the bar uh, kind of call out a little bit with like a rumbling, bumbling voice. And he says, well, you there. Come on. And he kind of is shuffling you guys forward. And you can see he's almost got kind of like a, as, as depicted as like the most pot-bellied kind of beach ball gut you've ever seen. It just sticks out like Philadelphia Collins from Trailer Park Boys. And he just like, his gut's hanging halfway out of his shirt, but he just looks like so happy to be here. He's just rather sweaty and kind of cherry-nosed about it with some white curly hair to the sides of his head, a nice bald part on the top. But he's just shuffling big knobby fingers at you guys to come over to the bar. And you can see he's kind of winded by the time he reaches the side of the bar that you guys would be sitting at. And as you guys, I imagine, come strolling over, unless you don't want to. He, I'll come uh, strolling over. You I can't like make face. me. No, Charizard will go over. <laughs> you can't. Norhill goes over. Yeah, that's fine. And so everybody pops a seat over at the bar, and he leans in and he says, So what can I do you for? Room and board. And he says, fire, fire. Will you be having dinner this evening? Yeah. But yeah, what time of day is it? 
Uh, it's about probably three o'clock right now. Yes, yes, indeed. And so with that, he says, all right, all right. Uh, due to a bit of uh, inflation in price, I'm afraid uh, if you're all looking to have your own rooms, it might be a bit more expensive than you're thinking. Uh, I think I mean, shared we, rooms are fine. Yeah, we, we can buddy up or... How big are the rooms? And he says, I can hook you up with uh, two two rooms, uh, two doubles. Uh, yeah, okay. And he says, that'll be five gold for the whole lot of you. Dinner, drinks, rooms. Okay, here you go. And so with that, you can tell people are still, as you guys kind of do that thing. Actually, it, it, to be honest, Ronnie, having spent as much time with you in my life as I have, there's only one person in this world who does this as much as you do, and that is the characters in this room. And that's that thing where you're sitting in a seat where your feet don't touch the ground all the way, and you just tap the table with that like open hand finger tap thing where you're like, tap, tap, yeah. tap, tap, tap. And you can tell everybody in the room is just kind of whistling and looking around, tapping their hands like that, just like, we all know that the people who stopped the execution are sitting right here next to us, but we don't want to look right at them. And so as you guys kind of spin and turn a little bit to see what's going on in the room, all of a sudden you feel like 40 individual eyeballs all turn away like Jarzak, at the same time. Yeah, when Jarzak turns, he just like, anyone he meets eye contact with, he gives this like awkward half smile. <laughs> like he's working on his full smile, but it's not quite right yet. <laughs> he's got something in his teeth. And he does the, hello, the weird awkward wave there. Um, but anyway, yeah, as you guys are looking around, the conversation kind of dies off. And as people seem to stray eyes away from you, they go back to their typical conversations amongst themselves. And you guys can hear the general rabble as people seem to be talking about what happened earlier. So what do you do as the innkeeper comes over and brings you guys a uh, quartet of wooden mugs filled with frothing ale? Seems like we caused quite the stir. Not going to skirt yeah, around that. It was a bit of a spectacle, wasn't it? Jarzak's going to look for anyone sitting like by themselves. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you can see an old, uh, like an old codger-looking kind of guy down the bar. Seems to be wearing something of an old weather-beaten hat, and he looks almost like a farmer, just because of the fact that he's so like just caked with old dried dirt and mud and that kind of like hot red clay kind of looking sand like dirt to his fingers and his elbows so but he's only like one booth away from the furthest down the line of you guys i mean one uh, uh stool okay so jarzak's gonna scoot a stool over <laughs> Fair enough. and as you pop over there the uh crusty old man looks over with just kind of a glance like one quick little glance and he kind of looks back to his drink with a little... Hey, I'm looking for some uh, information. Read a book. I'll make, I'll make it worth your time. My time's worth nothing. The rest of your rounds tonight will be on me. He says, I'm not thirsty no more. Huh. <laughs> That's weird. And he looks down at his why drink, you, which is yeah, very why? clearly still full. And yeah, he's Jar like eyeballing Jar it quickly. Jarzak goes to grab his drink. Well, I'll just take <laughs> this then. <laughs> he swats your hand away and you see a couple flecks of dirt fall directly onto the bar. And the bumbling bartender comes over and swipes the dirt away meticulously. And he looks over at the old farmer and he says, 
Now, there's no need to be mean to him. And the farmer just looks over at Jarzak with one of his fish eyes to the side, and he's like, <laughs> All right, I guess you don't want free drinks for the night. And he says, uh, what do you want to know? Jarzak's going to scoot back over <laughs> the one school and talk to the bartender. Hey, I'm looking for some information. The old farmer guy scoots one bar stool over with his beer in tow. And he says, he says, what do you want to know? I made you a perfectly good offer, sir. And you didn't want, you're not thirsty anymore. So I guess I'll just pay the barkeep for information. I'm plenty thirsty. Look. And he like lifts his drink up and starts drinking it. And he's doing like the, huh? Huh? With his other hand as he's drinking. Your your drink's pretty much gone. Yeah, I know. Okay. Starts pouring onto his shirt because he's drinking it quickly, hoping that'll improve his arm. Can we get this man another drink? And then he's just nodding as more ale just kind of seeps out and waves as he's nodding his head (laughs) against the the mug there. And he pops it down on the counter. He says, make it a double. Yeah. Yeah. Make it a triple. And he's like, that's not how that works. And then the old man's like, you, yep, bring two or three over, double or triple, you know? And then with that, the bartender just brings over three mugs, and it seems like he's got one for one for Jarzak, one for this old man, and one for whoever sits next to Jarzak. And thinking that that's probably where the third drink is supposed to go, and then looks over and sees <laughs> the dirt caked farmer immediately reaching out with stubby yeah, hands for I was all three say, drinks. Jarzak goes and grabs that one, the one he, that got put in front of him, and just slides him over to the uh, farmer. Okay. And so the farmer licks the foam off the top of one of them, giving his dirty little dusty mustache quite a Santa Claus-ish looking appearance with full foam thing going on there. And he looks up, and as he speaks out, he says, well, put it out there. What do you want? And as he says, put it out there, uh, quite the bubbly little fiesta flies across the two-foot gap between you and him, and it starts to pepper your shirt with little popping bubbles. Uh, what? looking for information on the the man who was supposed to be hung today. And he says, who, Pyther? And as he says, Pyther, <laughs> <more bubbles. laughs> Yes. Mm, quite the predicament. <laughs> it is quite the predicament. Charzak does it back. <laughs> well, that, he seems like, he, he seems to react to it like a cat when you blow air at them and you go, and the cat like, like they do that scouring back thing. And he does that and he says, no need to be rude about it. Well, uh, sorry, not meant to be rude, just sometimes it happens with peas. <laughs> he says, that's true. As a pea farmer myself, <laughs> I know that these things can get kind of out of control. But anyway, I don't know no pyther. So that's what that smell is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. No, I'm just kidding. But he says, he says, what do you want to know about the little bastard? Want to know... Why he deserved to be hung if he actually did it. Well, thoughts. He's a dirty, rotten thief. He's nothing but a vagrant. He moved here a couple years ago, opened up a half-assed alchemist business, which I don't believe anybody actually goes there for anything. And even then, he's got a bad rep for ripping people off here at the tavern. And you hear somebody like two seats behind you guys yell out, and he says, hur, hur. And he says, he's nothing but a cheat and a liar. And I don't know how he managed to open up a business any money he's made in his life has been stolen. Hmm. He moves on to the second tankard. So, how do you how do you feel about the guards in this town? He says, 
guards? Ah! And all of a sudden you see a bunch of people kind of like all of a sudden get taught kind of like rubber bands being pulled tight as everybody kind of like stretches and looks over at him like, don't say it. And he says, I'll tell you something about those guards. He says, the shendel grip. You can grip my shendel with that nonsense. I'll take on every last one of those leather clad rubes. And he says, I don't need this. The bartender comes walking over and he says, listen, I didn't think you were going to be giving him all three of those beers. And he starts sliding the last tankard of ale over one. And the old man goes reaching for it to kind of grab it again. And with that, they said, the bartender leans in and he says, listen, I'll be honest with you. You really can't be talking about the Shendo grip like that. I don't want to know who's going to try to sell us out as a bunch of, I don't know, troublemakers and rabble rousers. He says, just stop asking the old man about it. And the old man says, stop asking me about what? And he says, the Shendo grip? I'll tell you what they can grip. <laughs> and with the, the P of grip, he spits some more over at the bartender, who meticulously wipes again. Um, and with that, he says... These rubes moved into town with that cow gear. They offed a couple of the council members and we're not supposed to talk about it. He says, but whatever. At the end of the day, there he's held up there in the fanciest estate in town. They've taken over. They act like they're above the law and they got everybody scared. I haven't worked in weeks. I ain't scared of nothing. Why haven't you worked? Too lazy. <laughs> oh, so why don't... Why don't you live in the fanciest house in the town? I'm a pea farmer. Yeah, but apparently you're not because you don't work. Why don't you just live in the fanciest house? That could be your job. The old man has his life shattered by that realization, by the way. <laughs> As he just kind of like is taken aback by that comment. He's like, wait a minute. If I ain't farming peas, I'm not a pea farmer. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> so he just like kind of scoots back in his stool and almost falls down, and you catch him and kind of rebalance him a little bit. And he says, "Listen, I don't know much more about these guys. Only that they've been here for about a week or two." And he says, "And beyond that, they came in with a bloody rage, and they haven't been nice since. I don't know how they managed to come in so quietly in the dead of night and take over, but they did. And it's been bloody and ruthless and awful. I don't know how Pyther got mixed up in the business with Calgir." But if I'm not mistaken, it probably had to do something with that fancy little eye goggler thingy he's got on his face. What do they call them things? Oh, yeah, an eye patch. And he spits over at you some more of the beer. And he says, I wouldn't be surprised if Pyther was trying to take that sapphire off of that eye patch. Pyther was trying to pilfer. Mm, that too. One might say he was trying to pickpocket or pilfer that bit of sapphire. Quick, the uh, precious stone. What a predicament he put himself in. Quite the precious piece. <sighs> I hope all those hard peas just wreck the mic for everybody listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing quite like a hard pea on a podcast. <laughs> but anyway. So, uh... <laughs> great. With that, uh, Jarzak's gonna ask him if... So, has there been any other, uh... hangings since they came to town? says, nope, people just kind of disappear. Seems like the river's been flowing a lot faster lately if you catch my drift. Yeah, that's weird. I think a couple of them might have disappeared earlier. <laughs> yeah, the I have noticed this. Yeah, it was going pretty quick. <laughs> and so with that, he says, but either way, I kind of realized talking to you how much I need to get back to pea farming. I don't want to end up homeless like you. 
And so he gets up out of his seat and hops and hobbles out of there, grabbing the last tankard as he goes. How did he get so dirty if he hasn't worked in weeks? He hasn't. He hasn't showered in weeks either since he last worked. <laughs> you know, for a fast-flowing river, you think the guy could have taken at least one bath? Has it rained? <laughs> <laughs> Has he been He's been in the, the bar the whole time. <laughs> God. He's been the floor mat. That's why he's so dirty. Oh, God. His just bar stool seat is just indented. <laughs> With his butt crack in it. Uh, just... <laughs> it's, not, it's not even cushioned. Just walked into the wood. Just, just imagine he gets up out of his stool and just instantly falls because he isn't used to using his legs. It's like what's it, Charlie's it's grandfather also, in the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory or whatever. <laughs> oh no, he is grandpa, isn't he? Mm. <laughs> but it can be done. I never thought that I would farm a bunch of peas out on my farm. <laughs> But nevertheless, under duress, I will be a farmer. <laughs> anyway. Alright, so Charizard's kind of going to scooch one seat back? <laughs> oh no, I already did that. So, yeah, you were uh, already back on home base. Yeah. So whoever's next to me probably overheard all of this, as well as the others. I mentioned it would have been Klika. Yeah. She was the... distracted making sure the bar keep cleaned up any dirt that fell. <laughs> If he, he did it, his, she would. Yeah, she likes the yeah. cut of his jib there. Yeah, she was really impressed with his his uh, eye for detail. Yeah, Jarzak turns to his chair over towards Klika, and Klika just looks up and sees that there's dirt and like foam all over Jarzak right Jarzak's now. Jarzak's just covered in dirt and spit. What's <laughs> up, that little? <laughs> <laughs> I can't take you anywhere. Just starts cleaning. Klika, it's it's fine. It it doesn't matter. It's just a little spit. Just being a full head and shoulders over both. Uh, I mean, over Klika, you can see Norhill and Anton pretty clearly over her head on the other part of that side of the bar. And you tell them pretty much yeah. what you heard. I imagine I'll fill them in. So right. seems like these uh, so-called guards aren't the greatest people either, so don't, not sure what gives them the right to you know, call someone else bad and hang them. The clues do seem to be piling up, don't they? How would they just establish this in a week? I mean... No guard for this city? No nothing? That seems like they had a plan. The innkeeper leans in a little bit, scrubbing meticulously at all the flecks of dust that make it to the bar, and he says, well, these things don't just happen unless there's somebody to help Grease the axle, if you're catching my drift. We've had a few interesting people come in over the couple of weeks that have passed beforehand. And let's just say, men in shadows, scary dark clothing. This is not the work of a typical group of bandits. Men in shadows. Of... He looks up at you and he said, did you say something about, about, um... Uh, uh, pillows and paddles? No, I don't have those. I don't know what you're talking about. And he just no, quick runs no, off to no. the other side well, of the line. I believe that we do know what you are talking about. Well, he just we ran off. Uh, yeah. run into some um, strange individuals out in the woods ourselves. Yeah, he, he already jogged off as soon as you started to talk about it. And he's keeping his little la-la fingers in his ears. That is not a good sign. <clears throat> not at all. Why would Ages of Darkness be in this town? I don't see any significance here. 
Do, is there anything? Can I do a history check of like knowing what is this town? Like, if I could get any idea, like we already did in the last episode. Nobody really knew much about anything of it. Somebody just knew that there was a town council, and that was the primary motive, like mayorship for this place. But beyond that, I mean, it just seems like a big farming community that stays pretty quiet and under wraps. I mean, for what it for what it's worth, I mean, it's a really important place in the in this little section of the kingdom. So it makes sense that it would be something of like. Not like a bottleneck, but it's sort of like on a very major path between Glint and this being Gabora. It's kind of like one of the two major waypoints between the two spots. And not to mention this close to Glory Wake, it makes for a good proxy point. And I imagine you with any knowledge of the region would know that again, like it's a good proxy sort of location. So if somebody were to try a coup in Glory Wake or something like that, there would be no immediate defenses for days. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and, and Norhill was about to point out basically the same thing, a staging point. Uh, far enough out that nobody could notice. Um, Wait a minute. Some, uh, some missing minor nobles for weeks and be able to strike it pretty much anywhere they'd like. But I will also point out that the idea that somebody would use like a solid gold bullet to kill some rando like, it's strange to think somebody would put this much effort into getting the, like, you know what I mean? Like, these people, like, the, the you know, the agents of failure to be out here doing this sort of thing. It does feel very strange, again, to be shooting golden bullets when you really don't need them. You know what I mean? If it really is just kind of like a proxy position, I can't remember who was the one who did the religion check for the the agents of failure, the whole shadowy multiple and yeah. so it does feel very strange to have such experts of the craft of as like of assassination and this kind of like spooky underground kind of stuff. It does seem kind of strange to come in here. I know I keep saying golden bullet, but that's the best way I can put it. That like these guys are kind of like the real deal banana peels. I only wonder with this war coming, this attack from the orcs. Could this have anything to do with that? Maybe to help weaken a defense point, but I mean, it didn't seem like much of a defense point if it got taken over so easily. Or if the right people came in and took it over clean, like one quick incision. Yeah, I wonder if they're. Uh, can I call the uh, barkeep over and ask? <laughs> hey, uh, can I can I get a little bit of food over here? And so with that, he says, "Dinner's coming around when dinner's coming around." Then can I get another ale? He says. Yeah, sure. And so he fills up another one and brings it over it, to you. As soon as he gets over there, Jarzak's going to ask him. <laughs> Slap him with some questions. Hey, quick question. He says, I'll give you a quicker answer. Any of the uh, council members still alive? And he says, well, I mean, one of the only other members on the council. And he kind of like shift his eye back and forth. And he says, well, he's kind of missing. If you catch my drift. He's a. Uh, was he the pea farmer? He just left. No, it's the oh. priest at our local temple. He's gone into hiding, and nobody really knows where he ended up. But mm, I got reason to believe he's still pretty close to us in town. Is the temple in need of a priest? <laughs> uh, he he literally says, just got done saying <laughs> that the priest might still be alive. <laughs> You need a replacement? <laughs> but he's not no, running the I show think, now. <laughs> if me as someone who worked the temple knows that the priest is missing, there's at least right. has to be someone to hold that 
duty while the other one's right. not there. No, we all gathered that. It just seemed kind of like funny that you took such initiative to take his place right away. Like just abandon the quest and be like, local priest position hired. But with that, he says, yeah, brother Emilie, he, I, there's reason to suspect that he went into hiding. He made mention a few days before all this kind of took over and took place. He made mention that he was going on something of a sabbatical and he was leaving and going off to Glory Wake to go speak with some colleagues. And as soon as you hear this, you actually recall the name Brother Emilie, and he's somebody from your past from a long time ago. But when he was first starting off and like just beginning in the trade, he the trade when he was just beginning off in the cloth, you do recall him coming and, and doing a bit of clergy work over in your temple over in Glory Wake itself. Glory Wake's temple being one of the biggest ones in the kingdom. So the name does ring a bell, and you're sure that if you were to see him, he would probably recognize you, so. I may have known him in my past. It sounds very familiar. I was a, I worked at the temple of Glory Wake before heading out my own travels for many years. That's concerning. It makes me want to go more back to my hometown. I want to ditch this place. <laughs> but with that, the uh, innkeeper kind of looks at everybody at the table and he says, I don't know what you're planning here. I don't know what you're thinking you're going to accomplish. But I'm warning you that this sort of thing would not be able to be pulled off in a matter of a week by a bunch of random brigands. And even though they might be inept, I think they might have been just trying to buy time. So I warn you that making enemies of these people might do more with the waves that come beyond. You see what I'm saying? And he kind of gives like a little, like, I don't want to say like he's he's scowling, but he like kind of like leans in a little bit and squints at you guys and he says, though you may not know it, I think there's a lot of eyes on this town right now. And I think you people even coming in and offering a hand with Pyther may have earned you a bit of a reputation. So all I can say is if you plan on doing anything, please do it quickly. Do not make too much noise because I don't think being loud is going to benefit you any of you at this point. What happened to your voice? He leaned in. I realized how close <laughs> those two voices were in the beginning and I just dropped it, okay? <laughs> Here, let oh, me read okay. the entirety of the dialogue. No, don't worry, everybody. Don't worry, Thank I got you. it. All I can say is you just... <laughs> Well, with that, he uh, he kind of gets up and walks away from you guys, and it doesn't seem like he's going to be back anytime soon. So, what would the party like to do now? At least drop off some things in our room if we want to do more in town, or do we want to wait to head to the barracks tomorrow? I will say, I don't think you guys are going to have much time to keep him alive yeah. in the barracks. That yeah. whole line that you guys did might have been able to you know, stop it for the time being. But that did not seem like a lasting excuse to keep that guy alive. Yeah, so then maybe we should just hide our stuff by the barracks and go in and get ready for a speedy escape. Well, I mean, if you guys don't have a sapphire, I hate to break it to you. All you did was just break a liar and cheat out of prison and get out of town. Well, then we gotta get to that guy's house. Mm. I imagine he's probably close to the barracks because he kind of wanted to keep an eye on him, so. Yeah, I feel like we're missing a bit too much of the picture here to take decisive action. 
Uh, but we know enough that bad guys came in and took over this town. <laughs> Which, as far as stealing goes, I mean, I don't know if that deserves to be the hanging, but like these other guys, I don't think we should let run this. Probably not, but I do recall that they are uh, more numerous and presumably better organized than we are. Yeah, they're probably a lot stronger too. We don't stand. We don't stand much of a chance in a straight fight. But it does seem like the ineptitude of the people, the individuals, does kind of speak volumes about what would happen if Calgir were to be eliminated himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and yeah, and yeah, Norville, I guess, comes to that realization. Uh, strike the head. Everything else will scatter. Throws a hammer at the barkeep. <laughs> <laughs> See, exactly. Everybody runs out of the inn. See? Is there All a right, way so we can check the church? I was thinking that as well, but I, with the time crunch, I, I think maybe swing by there after. Like on the way out might be well, more beneficial. I feel like we have three locations that we need to worry about. Church split being the, the least. the party. The house. I was going to say split the, the barracks. Yeah, we can split up. I mean. Wait, which house? The, the manor. Wherever, yeah, the big house where yeah, um, the manor. all of the Shandlegrip yeah. appear to be staying. Well, okay. Yeah, I mean, they seem to be staying at the barracks. But the manor is a separate location. Right. That seems to be where Calgir's hanging out. Clica mm-hmm. thinks we should wait until nighttime and then go to the manor and put knives inside of Calgir and then take his eye patch. And then we'll just go and get the guy from the prison before anyone knows that the eye patch guy is dead and tell them that we need to take the prisoner and execute him outside where no one can see except us. I think there may be a way we can use a locality to our advantage. Knowing this has happened a week, I don't imagine we're the only people here questioning what happened and possibly wanting to go against it. The ones who fled, fled, but I imagine there's some sort of undercurrent of rebellion. Well, why don't a couple of us go see if we, uh, we've still got some daylight left, right? Yeah, you guys had like four hours of daylight. Yeah, so why don't a couple of us go see if we can talk to P- Pyther in the barracks, and then a couple of us can go have a look at the church, okay. reconvene before sunset. Okay, so who's going to Pyther and who's going to the church? Dib's church. Church. And Norhill would like to go see Pyther. Okay. So um, I think what we'll do then is we'll go to the church first, just because the church is actually near the commons as well. And then we'll dip over to Pyther because that one's kind of a bit more of a jog. Did but, we figure out where but, we're leaving you guys' weapons and everything? Yeah, so Cleek is the only one who can carry a dagger around not being noticed, right? Jerzak's going to go up to the room and kind of empty out his bag and try to put his axe in the bag with like the tent over it to cover it from sticking out. So it looks like you're just carrying a backpack. Like a just really awkward big bag. Fair enough. So we'll say that getting your weapon from there will take an action. Yeah, that's okay. fine. Lika has more than one dagger now, right? Yeah. 
she can always Norville, can Norville bother uh, borrow one and leave the rest yeah. of his weapons in the room? Fair enough. Okay. Um, and he's gonna he... like you know shove it down in his boot. Clearly not used to concealing weapons. Like you probably want a scabbard for that. Ah! But um, <laughs> <laughs> like it was my boot, not your boot. Anyway, um, and I imagine Anton's dropping off his uh, mishandled mace. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm thinking I have the crossbow, too. Yeah, you should probably drop off both of those. Yeah, we drop those off. It's like, it's my hunting crossbow. You leave me alone. But, okay, so... I think it's gonna hand Anton a dagger as well. So, um, and you're gonna hand Anton a dagger? As well, yeah, because I have three of them. All right. And so with that, uh, Anton and Kalika head over to the church, and as you guys head over to this place, the front door does appear to be locked. It's a not a, not a, like a big giant church or anything like that, but the temple itself has a pretty large set of doors to it. It seems like like a well enough kept place that it doesn't seem like it's not tended to. It just seems like nobody's been here in a week. You know what I'm saying? And the front door is very clearly locked from the other side. Oh, good try, guys. It's a bad omen. What kind of town is a town without light? Make a little prayer-like symbol at the door. I mean, you could search the building and try to see if there's an alternative entrance if you'd like to. Yeah, are there any windows or anything? Yeah, but these windows aren't going to just, like, slide open or anything like that. But if you go around to the back, there does appear to be a side door. Is it crowded? Like, would someone clearly notice us getting into the turn? Uh, if you go around to the side door, they wouldn't. Let's go for it. Okay. So you guys head over to the side door, and it does appear to be locked as well. What do you do? Third click and I'm like, I'm not much of a breaking and entering type of folk. I don't want to dismantle the home of this priest. If I've known him, I feel like it'd be fairly rude for me to go into my own temple one day and find it was broken into, even if by a friend. Say we should leave. just leave it alone, man. Yeah. Oh, Is there well. any way we could start with the alchemist shop? Okay. So, and Unless... what? Click. Uh, why? We'll, we'll <laughs> just take the, the alchemist. <laughs> like this well, just a good idea. Along. That's where. That's where Piper worked. Yeah, he owns it, right? I wonder if it's like just closed up, or if it's like in shambles. If he was that much of a bad guy, what kind of? place was it left at you know i mean that's fair i mean we could say on your way over to the barracks to catch up with these guys you stop and just take a peek i mean okay so walking over to the other side of the uh of the square you can see that his the alchemist shop is really more of like a renovated home that the first floor could be used as sort of a workshop but i mean it seems like a house that like a bachelor might live in i guess like it doesn't look like some fancy there's flowers outside and it's well tended it just seems like somebody lives there but it's more for function rather than like you know what i mean anything else but mm -hmm. i mean for what it's worth there's a sign out front that looks like a few two by fours that somebody kind of chalked and etched and painted on the sign that says you know pyther lenswell alchemist extraordinaire and it's just that's about it assuming it's locked Yes. Okay. 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 And so the other two that head over to the barracks, um, you guys are greeted at the door by a couple of those leather goons 
and they seeing you guys approach and recognizing what happened out in the square as soon as they see you guys approach they say what you think you're gonna come in and come see pyther already indeed i yep. figured get this out of the way as quickly as possible so we can so, resume the hanging one of the guys who's breathing with his mouth open looks over at the other guy and he says it seems like a good idea and so he says yeah i guess you got a point so they kind of give you guys the high sign to come on in. And so with that, you guys are led into something of a small waiting area with stone floors. You can see a couple of desks in here and a bunch of these cronies are playing darts on the wall. And it seems like there's no dart board itself. And so they kind of just like used chalk and made a couple of rings with some random numbers and pictures in it. A couple of faces with like cross eyes and everything like that. And they've just been kind of throwing anything at the wall to see if it'll stick. Um, but apart from that, one of the guards comes out of uh, sort of, I don't want to say like a sub-basement, but it seems like a couple stairs go down low. And somebody comes walking up from there and they say, are you here to see Pyther? Indeed. Yep. They say, he's in a bad mood. We keep throwing stuff at him and he's not liking it. <laughs> I want to try. Well, that's <laughs> not hard to understand. And with that, he nods over at Jarzak and he says, he's pretty funny. And he looks <laughs> over at Norhill and he just says, yeah, all right, we'll show you the way. <laughs> and so as you guys are led down into here, um, we'll say that, uh, yeah, okay. So you guys are led down into this lower chamber, and the guy's walking in the front. You can see him kind of, I don't want to say, like, unashamedly scratching himself, but he's unashamedly scratching himself and walking in front of you guys, and he stops at sort of the last cell on the left, and there's only about six cells in here in total, three on each side, and he pulls up to the side, and he says, Hey, Pi 3. You, your friends are here to see you. And he looks over at Jarzak real quick and like tilts his head down to like his shoulder and he says, now listen, I have a bit of potato you can throw. And he, you can oh. feel like a hand poke you in the hip and you look down and you see just mushy potato goop in his hand and he says, now if he's not looking and you whip at him, it's really funny. And he just like drops yeah. wet goop in your hand and he just like swacks it in your hand. He's like, cook him, champ. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be funnier if he just turned to look at me and got it in the face? He's like, sure, I'll stay here the whole time and wait. Okay, okay. And so he ready? stops and listens in for the whole thing. Way to go. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. But he stops and he says, uh, hey, Pyther, um, I think I think this guy has something to tell you, but you need to come close. He's kind of he's quiet. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey Pyther. So, uh, Pyther hops off and he comes walking over looking rather flustered and you can see some dried mashed potatoes on his shirt and he walks over and he says, hey, listen, I just wanted to thank you and your friends for everything that happened earlier. Oh, yeah, no, no problem. Jarzak's uh, going to extend his hand to like give a handshake but conceal the uh, <laughs> potato goop. So he grabs your hand and he looks down at it and he says, really? And then he just Wraps it with his other hand to make it just splatter out. <laughs> and just covered in a couple of flecks of the mashed potatoes, he just looks up at you with the most, like, just let me die eyes. And he just says, really? <laughs> Did you see that? The Got him. is currently four feet shorter and rolling on the ground, absolutely clutching his ribs, <laughs> as if this may have changed him as a person. <laughs> and so he gets up and he says, listen, he says, I saw the axe blade in your backpack, but like, yeah, you, know, dude, but, you can keep it. That was funny. 
Yeah, I mean, I might need to take his hands off. <laughs> he says, that would be pretty funny. No shaking hands for him. <laughs> and so he gets up, and he just leaves, starts walking up the stairs, and he just leaves you guys absolutely alone in here. And as he's opening the door and closing it, walking up the stairs, he says, he says under, like, you can hear the echo in the other room, hey, guys, guess what I just saw? And the door closes behind him. Uh, I'm so sorry about that. I had to uh, play the part. Man, uh, Norhill, I thought you said the axe was hidden. It looked hidden enough to me. Oh, okay. I just, yeah, I just take the axe out of the bag now. Very good. Yeah, I'm sure you're never going to have to walk past a bunch of guards on the way out. But either way, and so that Pyther <laughs> says, he says, so listen, are you here to actually save me or are you guys here for something else? Who well, sent you I, here? Uh, well, we were sent here by your associate or to glare the clever oh and you didn't see him like audibly like <laughs> as he's like man now there was like a list of like 10 other names you could have said that i would have asked you to keep me in this cell <laughs> he says but i mean <clears throat> uh, with no real reason why they wouldn't like me honestly i'm i'm a pretty likable guy honestly yeah but why well, are you, we why are you heard st- different mr Lindswell. why are you stealing you have a reputation as a thief and a liar and says, even Ordeglare said that you weren't to be trusted. And he says, then why are you here, you dinglings? Because you seem to be the one and only person uh, capable of providing us with a very important component. We are, in fact, here on the Queen's Quest. That wasn't a lie. And he, so he just kind of like flexes his eyebrows a little bit and he says, so what do you need from me? An alchemically, an alchemically treated silver sapphire. And so with that, he rolls his eyes real quick, and he says, <laughs> Yeah, does anybody ever come just to ask how I am? Anybody how, ever are ask, you, like, how are you, Mr. Linswell? Covered in mashed potatoes and feeling pretty pissed off. Somehow. I, mean, I, why I, I, I didn't ask for a favor right away. I just gave <laughs> you my hand. <laughs> full of potatoes. But anyway, with that, he says, Yeah, okay, well... I don't know how to break this to you, but the only sapphire around here, the only sapphire in town, as if a dungeon master may have set this up in the most painfully led by the nose kind of way, it appears to be on our friend Mr. Calgear's eye patch, which I don't know if you know this, but Calgear is no friend of mine. Yeah, we we noticed that. Yeah. We had hoped that you might be able to tell us something. Uh, if, if not, we figured we'd have a real problem on our hands to take care of. Well, to be honest, I don't like guys like him. I really don't. I don't like people who flex and try to make it known how awesome they are. That Shendel grip, that stupid crossbow he has, I'll have you know, that thing's built out of dragon's bone. But listen, I have been working up a certain kind of acid, and I keep trying to play cards with this guy. And every time, this acid doesn't break down flesh or anything like that, but breaks down bone like you wouldn't believe. So what I've been doing is rubbing it on my hands under the table when we're playing cards, and every time he gets up after he totally beat me in the game, I shake hands with him, and he grabs that crossbow. And I'm thinking, after a while, that thing's just going to snap under the pressure of the drawstring. And, ooh, boy, am I going to be so happy when that day comes around. Listen, I'm just saying, if you guys are really thinking about getting that eye patch from him, please bring a vial of that stuff and put it all over that crossbow. He won't know it broke down until he goes to pull it and shoot it. And I'm telling you, that look on his face, he does a little chef's kiss 
and which is kind of strange with the cover to mashed potatoes, but he does a little chef's kiss and he's like, man, I wish I could be there to see that. So if I could say anything, just do that little favor for me. I'll help you out with whatever you need me to help you out with. The tools are inside my shop and I'm really going to be the only person who can do the proper mixture and the proper preparation. And so I don't know how you plan on getting me out of here. And he looks over at Jarzak and he says, it seems like the potato burglar over here might've already made a pretty good in for himself with those guys. So I don't know. It's what I do. He says, if you can get me out of here and into my shop somehow, he says, I can hang out there. I can go into hiding wherever you need me to. I'll ask you to bring over some of my tools, get the sapphire. We can be out of here in a day. Okay. And he kind of like has almost this sinister and like devious look to his face as he leans in a little bit. And he says, so would you say we have a deal? We will do whatever we can. We're going to need to get the sapphire from Calgir no matter what. So one way or another, the town's problems in your predicament are going to be solved in one stroke. So we have a deal. Yes, we do. Good. And so with that, he sits back down on the bed and he says, well, you know what to do. Ball's in your court. And that's where we're going to end this episode. Hey everybody, it's the young Grognard here. I want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you have anything you'd like to tell me, any questions or concerns, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter, or send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. As always, keep it real, and more importantly, keep it dungeonous. Thanks. <laughs>